fans you're listening to holding the high line with rabbi and red it is friday january 20th 2023 i've had a really bad friday uh and i'm joined now by a man who earlier today tweeted that he wanted to rage quit the universe rabbi mark goodman (laughs) mark earlier this morning american soccer journalism had multiple vital organs forcefully removed from it Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, Vox Media, who owns SB Nation, and it's many, many. I believe the website records that there are three hundred different websites under the SB Nation flagship. Um, reported that they were informed all the website holders, editors, so forth that um, they were laying off seven percent of the workforce of Vox. Um, some folks who are full time uh, doing all sorts of reporting on food and sports and news and stuff like that. But most importantly for the Major League Soccer community is the fact that I believe the email that you read me, Matt, said that most of the SB Nation soccer websites would be shut down. Sorry, the SB Nation MLS websites. And it sounds like all of the NWSL websites will be shut down. Um, they won't be imminently shut down. There is some sort of plan uh, about which an individual can, like, manage their own website, but that's not yet been revealed. Anyhow, Matt, handing me, the guy who's had a whole bunch of uh, bourbon, the responsibility of reporting the news is grossly in, uh, irresponsible. I do want to point out that Matt is going to put the explicit tag on this um, on this podcast, and the reason is there's no real news to report uh, on the MLS front or on the Colorado Rapids front. Um, this is just an opportunity for me and Matt to given Mark that in the feed earlier I have posted the interview an interview that I did with the MLS Updates YouTube channel where we discussed all that. You want anything that's actual Rapids news, folks? Go listen to that. Mark's not here for that. I'm not here for that. I woke up to a really horrible email this morning. That I'll read right. part of in a moment. Four months into my tenure, finally getting a legitimate paying gig in doing this. It's being forcefully removed from me. Uh, and it's really disappointing. It's bad for the Rapids community. It's bad for the MLS community. I had a really bad day at work. And before Rabbi and I recorded this, I did half an edible and went to the Van Gogh exhibit. So that's where we're yeah. at. This episode is not safe for work. If you're listening to this with small children, turn it off right now or have them leave the room. There will be profanity. Yeah, Matt and I are here to say the f- the word fuck and shit and bullshit and uh, and express how angry we are at the universe for this. Um, I come at this as a guy who cut his teeth in soccer writing with Burgundy Wave and um, and and from twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen, I wrote 
for Burgundy Wave. And for Matt, this is the cruelest of cruel things because I was really proud of Matt that he got to finally be the editor of a Major League Soccer website and a Major League Soccer uh, website of a team that he's really interested in um, covering, which is the Colorado Rapids. And no sooner does he settle in and learn how the CMS works, the content management system, um, and, and get a, a start to, to build his brand as the newest editor of Burgundy Wave, I think only the fourth editor in Burgundy, fifth editor in Burgundy Wave history. Um, but Vox tells him they're, they're planning to shut the whole thing down. And for what, might I ask? I mean, I want to point out that, like, Matt doesn't get paid shit. I mean, he doesn't get paid. Back in my day, said the old man, back in my day, Burgundy Wave editors got paid something like 300 or so dollars per month. And the assistant editor got paid about 60 bucks a month to write. Um, the, the editor had to write at least one article a day, roughly. The assistant editor had to write like two articles a week. And, and you know, if you take all the MLS sites, let's say there's 28 of them, and you take all those editors, I did the, the math on the back of the envelope and figured out that Vox would be saving themselves $156,000 a year. Let's assume there's also some back-end tech guys on top of that. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Vox is saving themselves $400,000 a year, which considering how large a corporate conglomerate these guys are, they, you know, they're, they're in the, they're, they're owned by a hundred millionaires. Like this is a rounding error and it doesn't solve their underlying financial problems. And it's a ridiculous move. I mean, the assumption is basically that MLS is not going to become a profitable, uh, advertising stream for them or that MLS isn't going to grow or that the piddling ridiculous fucking amount of money that they pay these guys wasn't uh, worth it on the back end, which I find I call horseshit. I just, I just find it really unlikely that this isn't effectively profitable enough for, for them. I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, like I've had a couple of bourbons and I'm just angry. Um, the flip side of that is of course I know, and I'll turn it over back to you, Matt. The flip side of that is I know that we live in a capitalist system and folks have to make a profit at this and MLS doesn't MLS writing doesn't turn enough profit. And I know that from my numbers at all the articles I've ever written for every outlet I've ever worked for our numbers on the podcast, right? We have a niche audience of devoted hardcore MLS heads. We love you holding the Highline fans. We love all the Burgundy Wave fans. Um, it's not your fault that there's not enough of you. We appreciate the hell out of you for appreciating the hell out of us. Like, you know that you want intelligent, thoughtful, analytical content on the Colorado Rapids, but it's, there's, there's no, there's no way to understand how to figure out how to make more of you without a cloning machine in a Rick and Morty style universe, or, um, just to dumb things down so that Matt and I turn into hot take bullshit radio every minute of the day. And we just asked the question, you know, is Kevin Cabral elite? Stuff like that. I don't know. Mr. Meeseeks, make more Rapids fans. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mr. Meeseeks. 
for those of you who don't watch Rick and Morty, uh, you are very confused right now, and we can't help you. Okay, Mark, uh, let's get to the actual email. So um, this was sent by John Ness, who's the VP of content. I'm not going to reveal his email address. Um, he, in many ways, could just be the messenger and everything. We're not going to dox people here at Holy the High Line, even though it's on my behalf and Burgundy Wave's behalf, Mark. So, um, Mark, should I just read the email for the most part? Okay, I, I can summarize it. Okay. So, um, Summarize or read read the first couple of paragraphs. Okay. So you may not be surprised to hear that Vox Media has been experiencing a downturn with advertising, blah, 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 media and tech industries affected. Given the economic conditions, blah, 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 we have to make decisions about our economic futures and everything and where to invest in long-term growth. As a result, many communities, including most MLS sites and some other communities, will be impacted. Your community is among those impacted. And here's the main Here's the first of the two big sentences to pay attention to here, folks. Um, uh, will no longer be supported and monetized by Vox Media. Second paragraph. Uh, while we no longer are supporting, uh, supporting these communities, that does not necessarily mean the sites will be shut down. We hope that the impacted sites and their brands can continue in some form. Blah, blah, blah. Exploring options. Seeing what we can do. Can you still operate the site with the name, brand, domain, URL, etc.? Soliciting input. Blah, blah, blah. Get back to us. We'll have discussions and everything about how to manage and possibly monetize the site for your benefit in the coming days and weeks. Next bit, most important sentence, final most important sentence, uh, your, your independent contractor agreement will uh, continue through February, that is until February 28th, 2023. So if nothing else, Mark, I will get to be the managing editor of Burgundy Wave for the season opener when the Rapids lose 3-1 to one at Seattle and Kevin Cabral opens his account in garbage time after the Sounders get a... Get a <laughs> get an officiating call that totally jobs the Rapids and ruined their chance of winning the game and everything. And then we'll go to the post-game media availability. It'll take 30 minutes for Robin Frazier to be willing to come out and talk to us, and I'll hit the raise hand button, and Omar uh, Gonzalez will say, and now we'll take the first question from managing editor of the Burgundy Wave, Matt Pollard. Well, and this brings up a really important point, which I also posted on Twitter, which is that, um, you know, MLS has offloaded the commentary broadcast teams, um, you know, they, they've definitely downsized them. There's some disagreement in the Twitter sphere about whether these um, broadcasters will be on site or not. And I think the possibility is that there will be a broadcaster live for two broadcasters live in the press box for every game. But I think it's entirely possible that there won't, especially season long. I mean, that's a lot of travel. It's a lot of broadcast teams. I think some of these games are ultimately going to be done remotely, which means there'll be no broadcasters at Dick's Sporting Goods Park for a Rapids game, right? And there'll be no Burgundy Wave presence, which means, you know, that there that's one fewer broadcaster there. Matt will maybe hopefully, you know, get a press credential as HTHL or as um last word on last word on sports. Um but, you know, there used to be a couple people up there and now there's not. And, and you know, it, it, there's places like in RSL where Brian Dunsworth and um, other folks, you know, uh, RSL Soapbox were up there in the press box where like that was the bulk of who covered the team. And maybe they're not there anymore. I mean, it's we're looking at a 2023 season potentially where. It's possible there'll be no one in the press box. I think that's being dramatic. And even I know that when I wrote it. But like, we're losing a number of people who used to be in the press box. And you know, when you're talking about being like, 
27 games into a season, like you, all of us know this, right? When you watch a broadcast of Robin Frazier talking about how the Rapids did, Matt's behind 50% of the questions that are being asked. And he's behind 100% of the good questions, to be honest. Uh, let's let, let's give Brendan Plone at the Denver Post at least 25%, Mark. Props to Brendan. Props to Brendan. Much love to Brendan Plone. Um, but there's a very short list of people who uh, g- go regularly to these games and and will and are knowledgeable and will be in the post game, and that's going away. And and the other thing I'm going to say is is this, you know, you lose the institutional knowledge. Um, I covered I have covered the Rapids for nine years. Uh, if I make it to December, I'll hit my tenth anniversary of covering the Colorado Rapids as a writer, and I, I'll still be writing about the team. Um, but when you axe all the the SB Nation sites, um, you lose a lot of those folks who used to write about the team and won't be writing about the team anymore. Um, additionally, I'll just add the practical thing, which I also mentioned on Twitter today, which is for all of us who've written lots of articles. I went online, Matt, today to look up how many articles uh, I've written, and I, I think it's smaller than this, but not by a lot. I wrote somewhere in the range of 470 articles for Burgundy Wave. When they shut the website down in 30 to 60 days, you know, I don't know how how desperately necessary people were going to be to go through the Google machine and and find a, you know, a, an article I wrote about Deshaun Brown's expected goals, you know, from 8 years ago. But when they shut down, that article's gone. I mean, I'm smart enough or I care enough to rip that stuff off the website and post it on my own website, it won't be easily Googleable. A lot of that stuff goes away. And, you know, to be very honest, we're losing MLS history. It's literally going away. It'll disappear in a few days, weeks, months. And that sucks. I mean, you know, people have, have complained about this with like big soccer, you know, going down. Soccer America was the OG site back in the day. Um, these things come and go, but uh, we're, we're, we're losing the ground floor of MLS coverage in America, and there's no clear path forward of replacement. Yeah, so I want to make a few things clear, Mark. It looks like there might have been multiple email threads sent out. There are some SB Nation MLS team sites that were flat out told March 1st, 2023, you no longer exist. Like the US, the URL isn't going to exist anymore. You can't write stuff like it's not even – you don't even wow. get enough ad traffic to warrant us having – tech support and then like the url code spending money and time on operating that burgundy wave was not included in that mark so somehow i I, if i'm prognosticating then burgundy wave was getting more traffic or is seen as in a higher tier than black and red united uh once a metro also got the axe as well i'm struggling to remember who else i have to assume based on my internal understanding of how the english language um uh, Montreal Montreal Impact, how the English language CF Montreal site was doing, that that probably got it as well. So we're apparently in that second tier. Again, as I as it was mentioned in the email that I read out earlier, future has not been entirely determined yet. Discussions are going to be had. Our future is in doubt. Non-zero possibility it could exist, but then I'm not making any more money than I was at last word on soccer. 
what I do with that. Right. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, to your point, Mark, about the stipend and the situation and everything, I was making enough money to where I could do one, maybe two, um, if I'm flying Frontier and then maybe couch crashing rather than staying in a hotel, um, on a way trip or something. Or I could save up and use that for a road playoff game or anything or, you know, uh, you know, uh, if the Rapids ever make it to MLS Cup, then that potentially could be covered as well. And so yeah. now that takes in a way, does that de-incentivize a lot of people, some people to be doing this? Yes, potentially. But as been ironed out thoroughly on Twitter um, by multiple people, Mark, there's a lot of people doing this just because we love it. And we were getting barely enough folks between uh, what was left of our Patreon and the subscribers that we had to our Substack and what we were getting from the ad revenue as well, which I don't, I don't know if we can say that now, Mark. But uh, there, there was the end of the year, and we're no longer in a, we're no longer in a partnership. We're no longer sponsored, folks, uh, by Roughneck Scarves and by Icarus FC. So I guess after saying all that profanity, now I guess is a good time to say, uh, you know, potential sponsors. We are open for business as well. So if the we didn't say that many swear words, I didn't say fuck enough, nearly enough times. I'll say fuck a few. God more damn times it, Rabbi. Okay, so <laughs> CEO of the Tree Farm, if you are looking to sponsor, holding the highlight. <laughs> help us run at cost and everything we're open to conversations our dms are open on twitter rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com but so uh, does that de-incentivize it somewhat mark yes but i it's it was a gut punch you know to like to finally get a legit paid opportunity have control of an institution be in a position to where i'm now at an outlet for the people that don't know me personally or haven't paid attention to my content or don't know what a last word on sports is or anything that now immediately i had credibility in the sports journalism and the soccer journalism in the mls space and everything because it came with burgundy wave so you're talking about matching the personal brand that you and i and holding the high line and what i've done at last word i been building up for eight years now nine years i'd have to count with the brand of the institution that i'm at and everything there's a lot of people you know jason maxwell who is a friend of the pod and we like him has a great personal brand within the rapids community and anything but if someone who's a legitimate soccer journalist looks at the design or the site layout or gets a hold of the number of clicks that views from the couch is getting and anything may view jason in a negative way or maybe seen as less than fairly or unfairly and we could mark we could do a whole podcast about you know the term blogger and whether or not that's been poisoned or seen as looked down upon or anything but the point is is that now i I had, the, I had the personal credibility in certain spaces. I had the outlet credibility in another space. I was getting paid enough to where I could spend more time on this, legitimately argue that, and then also put money into that that was going to enhance the content. Would I come out maybe a little bit less on the end from a financial standpoint? Maybe, but it was going to be absolutely fun, and I could have a fun weekend in Kansas City, or I could go to a playoff game, or I could go home to see my parents, and that would be easier if I wanted to see them at one of the two um, LA games. And now that four months into me finally earning that opportunity everything – after the previous managing editor for a year did not do a whole lot with the website and may or may not have gotten it unjustified over me. Like, that's taken away from me after earning that so much and everything. That timing sucks for me personally, but mostly, as much as this is maybe a pity party for me, Mark, like, like this sucks for the Rapids community. Burgundy Wave was an institution. It's a deserved pity party, and I want to I break down a little bit of the financials that you were breaking out, because when I was working for Burgundy Wave, and making 60 bucks, right? So, like, I get, I, I write to the the comm staff, the, 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 the communications department at the Rapids, and I request an interview with the player, and they 
you know, kind of shut me off for a week or two. And then finally they tell me, all right, the player will meet with you after training. And so I go out and I do the interview and, you know, you drive out from, from, uh, Washington, Wash Park, um, to DSGP and it's, it's pretty far and you wait at the, it's field 20 and you kind of watch them train and, and you have a hard time trying to make out what they're doing over the fence because that's the only place you're allowed to stand when you're media. I mean, or you're allowed inside the fence for 15 minutes to talk to people. Then you got to stand outside the fence and then you got to walk back to um, the hallway outside the locker room, which is the only place you're allowed to do interviews in this echoey hallway where 17 other players are walking through ruining the audio quality of your interview. And then Alan fucking Gordon gets on and you ask him eight, nine questions. You're given 10 minutes to talk to him. And he half asses every fucking question and doesn't tell you anything. And you think to your fucking self, why did I just waste $15 of round trip gas to talk to Alan Gordon, who didn't give me anything to talk to the comm staff and ask them, send them four emails before they would set up this interview for you. And then they treat you begrudgingly like you're a second class citizen and you're not worthy of asking the fucking questions in the first place, right? Why do I go through all this hassle to get a mediocre interview? And when you're done with that interview that didn't come out super great and you did the best you could to spin it, why the next week do you drive out to training and blow 7 to $12 on gas? And why do you do it the week after that and the week after that? And why do you go back to DSGP to do the pre-game article and the post-game article. I'll give you another example, Matt. Before I was given access to the press box, before I had a press pass, the first year I wrote for Burgundy Wave, I did the pre-game article while I was a part-time, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, season ticket holder. I Part-time season ticket holder. I, I did the pre-game article um, in the dirt parking lot at DSGP, in the hatchback of my Mazda three. Um, and I would set up a hotspot on my phone to post the pregame and the lineup, right? Like, why did we do that? Not for the money. Cause for at least two years that I worked for BW, I did it for fun. I did it for free. I did. I got nothing, right? I spent way more money following the rapids and writing about them than I earned. And in fact, at this point, there's no doubt. And I bet you, Matt, you're the same way. You and I have spent far, far, far more money covering both the Rapids or any other teams we've covered than we've earned doing it. We do it because we love it. We do it because we love it. We do it because we love American soccer and we we believe that these stories need to be told and our opinions matter. And somebody intelligent needs to apply tactics and statistics and analytics from an independent perspective to American soccer because Fucking nobody else is doing it. Like, there are... Brendan Plone does an amazing job for the Denver Post, but he cannot dive into complicated tactics and formations because that's not his audience, right? And DNVR does an amazing job with their podcast and what they're doing over there, but they want to be a fan-friendly, light, kind of easy, breezy, um, you know, kind of like typical sports talk radio conversation. They don't want to do advanced tactics and metrics and statistics. They don't want to do, um, you know, like deep dive coverage. And that is okay because they have a niche and a, and a brand and they need to stay true to that. But like, who's going to cover the sport in the depth and with the experience that 
the SB Nation sites do, if not us. Yeah, no, it, the, there was a point legitimately marked for, I think, most MLS markets where the SB Nation site coverage was the MLS coverage, was the only thing that we were getting daily. Heck, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, maybe I'm misremembering this hypocritically because at the time I had the conversation with Chris White at, it was at, it was in the Bulldog on Stout Street. Both of us were inebriated, and it was comfortably past my bedtime and everything. I believe he started the site, what had been, 2008, 2009, sometime around that time. And the inspiration behind it was nobody else was covering it locally at all. And there was Sparing Rapids coverage on MLSsoccer.com, albeit in the early days of MLSsoccer.com. Um, not that... MLS, not a, not that MLSsoccer.com has regularly covered the Rapids because they don't warn it because they don't get traffic and they don't do enough news in order for that to happen. So he looked at it and said, nobody else is covering it. Let me make this thing into existence. The origin stories of this podcast was Mark and I separately having the thought, there should be a Rapids podcast. There is not one like that. We should have one. Who do I want to do that with? And we both separately had the thought, Rabbi thinking, I would want to do this with Matt Pollard. Me thinking, if there's anybody I want to do this with, it's Mark Goodman. That's why this podcast exists, because it needs to exist, because if it doesn't, and respect to the other outlets that have done it and everything, they don't do it in the same way. And there's room for, there's plenty of room in this space as small as the audience, the community, and the club are for multiple audio long-form uh, content creators to exist and then approach it from multiple angles and everything. But, you know, Mark, the, the staying power that you and I both have, regardless of what outlets we've been at, is we're cockroaches. We don't go away. You're always going to see us. We have seen outlets. We're not, we're not good at this. We're just here longer than the rest of you. Yes, so <laughs> part of that is commitment, part of that is love, part of that is consistently of the effort and everything that we put through with that, and we don't get bored um, with it. And then also, you know, there, there's a level of, of staying power in how we approach it. We have seen sites go completely supernova. Mark, how many outlets covered for the first time in years, potentially the first time since 2016 and just the second time since 2010, that an outlet legitimately covered the Rapids in late September, October, and November of 2021. Robin Frazier did so many interviews, you would have thought that he was about to release a be a New York Times best-selling book at that time and everything. And Westworld and a bunch of other outlets were covering a whole bunch of things, and then the Rapids lost on Thanksgiving, and none of those outlets have done anything about the Rapids ever since then. And the reality is... That's well said. They show up for the good times, but who's going to be there when you're... when when. When the team uh, is in eleventh place, right? It's just Burgundy Wave, and and that's that's important, and and HDHL, um, and that's important, and and it's hard to measure that, um, and it's hard to say that our 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 validity, our our purpose in the universe is that we're just like the fans, that we're we're here for the good times and we're here for the bad times too, because there's value in the misery and there's also value in the analysis of what goes wrong um the other thing i was going to say and i've i've also posted this on twitter so i apologize for saying that over and over again but um you know the mls ecosystem needs the folks who show up every day they need the folks like you matt who show up to um field 20 and are there for training because Sam Stachel's not there, and Tom Bogert's not there, and Matt Doyle's not there, and Andrew Weeby's not there. And the only time they are ever going not, to be there is the day before MLS Cup. That's right. That's right. If the Rapids are hosting. 
And that's not a slam on them. They're they're expected to cover the entire league. They're literally covering a league that spans from Vancouver to Miami and everything in between. That's un unfeasible. It's 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 not it's not doable. They need local coverage. And the local coverage guys, you know, are come and go. Again, we've we've said nice things about Brendan Plowen, but Brendan's Brendan's been one of the best writers and the most consistent writers for the Denver Post um, on the Colorado Rapids. But before Brendan, if the Rapids were doing poorly after July, they just mailed it in. They didn't bother. I mean, you and I both remember, Matt, in like 2015, 2017, when the team wasn't good. And when the team went south, um, you know, in August, September, and October, the team, the Denver Post just pulled 150 words off of the AP wire report and stuck it, you know, at the bottom of the sports page uh, on page six and called it a day, right? That's not Rapids news. There there wasn't anybody in the press box from the Post. You know, I remember, Matt, when um, Anthony Hudson was announced as the head coach, and that was a packed press room. Now, to be fair, half the people in the press room on that day were Rapids employees trying to make it seem like it was very, very packed. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just being honest, folks. Um, but, you know, you and I are both there because we cover the team regularly. And I remember the Denver Post sent their either their baseball guy or their hockey guy. And the reason was it was a big story. But they didn't have a soccer guy anymore. They'd let him go because, you know, they were between guys. It was Daniel Boniface, I think, who had just gone up to being the digital editor. And that's, you know, not a slam so much on the Denver Post, except that, like, they didn't really keep a consistent, you know, guy in 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 soccer because it wasn't a it wasn't a desirable job. And anybody who was a really good sports writer who was doing soccer at some point for the post was aspiring to do something more exciting. Only lunatics like you and I, Matt, only want to do soccer, right? If the somebody at the Denver Post once asked me, you know, you're a good writer, would you like to cover college football for us? And I'm not interested in college football at all. I was flattered. I thought that was really nice. I'm sure I could figure out how to write about college football. Man throw ball, man catch ball. It's not that complicated. I know... I know what American throwballs rules are, but it didn't interest me at all. And maybe that makes me a snob. Maybe that makes me an idiot. But the reality is I cover soccer because I love it, because I understand it. I do not want to cover another sport, right? Like I'd rather cover a low level girls soccer game in uh, suburban uh, Pittsburgh then cover the, and I'm not making this up, the Stanley Cup Finals. I am not kidding about that. I'm not interested in covering a really important hockey game. I'm not interested in Sid the Kid um, or, you know, Mario Lemieux. Like, it just doesn't interest me. And that makes me a lunatic, and I understand that. But the reality is, like, Mew and I cover the sport from the perspective of soccer is the most important thing in the universe, and we live and breathe it, and we respect the other sports writers in the room who come because they're assigned by their outlets, but we're there because we love the round ball with the black and white checkers spots. First of all, Mark, I have to to tell you just in case one of your random Pittsburgh cronies is listening to this. Mario Lemieux is retired. Maybe you were thinking Sidney Crosby. No, no, I knew he was retired. Okay. I knew he was retired. I'm okay with that. Okay. Just to confirm. But yeah, I, I, 
soccer is the most important and least important thing, folks. There's uh, depending on the season. My three favorite sports are soccer, college football, and then hockey and what it is and what time we are in the calendar. And is it the year for World Cup? hockey or uh, or a winter olympics or a summer olympics and anything can rotate and everything but the fact is there's 12 sometimes 13 days out of the year i am singularly focused on the miami hurricanes there's a lot of midweek nights throughout the year in the fall and in the spring and hopefully in may when i'm focused on the los angeles kings and 34 weekends out of the year i am solely focused on major league soccer and primarily the Colorado Rapids. And then, you know, at least for this season, Mark, uh, I'll say 30, I'll say 38, and I think increasingly 38 for next season as well. I'm focused on Fulham in the morning on Saturdays and the opposite end of the year as well. <clears throat> and so, you know, it, uh, you know, it, it sucks for the, the biggest thing, as much as Mark, we've maybe made this about me or turned this into like a therapy session for like what ha- It's a therapy session. <laughs> yeah. It's a drunken high therapy <laughs> session with a lot of F words. Yes. Like as much as. I want to bring this back to regardless of what you think about me or what I've done at Burgundy Wave or anything, folks. The reality is there's a non-zero possibility that on 12.01 a.m. Mountain Time on March 1st, 2023, you can get onto your Google machine and type in www.burgundywave.com and a broken URL link on SB Nation is going to come up. That is a non-zero possibility right now. And as much as I'm upset for me and the opportunities and like the responsibility that I've had with this institution, Mark, I'm fucking gutted for the Rapids community. This was an institution. As I mentioned earlier, Chris White started this because nobody else was covering the Rapids. There's so many people who were introduced to the Chris club. Chris White fucking started this the year they won MLS Cup because there was nobody covering the Rapids the year they won MLS Cup. Yes, and so yeah, and so potentially now that's being taken away, and I can't think like how many people were introduced to the Rapids because of Burgundy Wave, and then how like how much how much times that like the uh, Mark, you and I have had it before, where guys at the Athletic have DM'd us not like regularly or anything. I wouldn't say that I'm friends with Sam Sam Stasekul or anything, but I'd have to imagine Mark if I went to a game at Minnesota and I ran into Jeff Reuter, you know, and I mentioned to him, you know, the week of hey, anything, you know, hey Jeff, I'm coming in for the weekend, seeing the Rapids game. Again, Minnesota and everything. Do you want to get coffee the morning of the game? Do you want to go out for a drink afterward? He would probably hit me up. And regularly, Mark, you and I have gotten interactions with these kinds of people um, where they where they're about to write something out the rapids, and it's like, let me just get a temperature in the room of the people who are there regularly on the ground and everything, and maybe they're familiar with Richard Terry, or maybe they check in on somebody they know or who follows them from C38 and everything. But a lot of times, it's what did you or I or Abby Mood or somebody else write or say about this particular particular topic that we're looking at and everything let me dm them ask a question am i based off or anything and what is that and there's a like you said there's a whole bunch of institutional knowledge that now is no longer going to be rewarded for the blood sweat tears and sweat equity that it's putting into that thing or potentially is going to be taken away entirely and there's a lot of really good writers there's a lot of really bad writers who simply like us are putting in the effort and are the cockroaches at the dc united's and the san jose earthquakes and the houston dynamo and montreal impact and the chicago fucking fire that now are going to have to figure out how do I start an independent substack? How do I start an independent website? I'm now having to pay for that on top of the gas and everything. I'm now working for a smaller outlet that's not going to get the regular traffic. It's not going to be one of the first hits on Google News and everything. I have to figure out how to be at Google News. Spoiler alert, folks, for someone who spent 18 months trying to get that for Last Word on Soccer. And when we did, I was fist pumping and saying profanity and jumping up and down on the phone with our CEO and everything. It is really freaking hard to get onto Google
Google News when you're that type of site and there's a bunch of parameters that go in it. And now potentially the comms outlets and everything that normally would give that opportunity, if nothing else, Mark, because they were the one person who was there every single day, no matter how crap they were, how little they were getting paid, the fact that they weren't professional, the fact that they weren't capital J journalists or anything that now maybe are going to get slighted a little bit more because their uh, because their signal is not being boosted by the entity that is SB Nation. And then at what point, either from the comms end or the person end or the fact that their team sucks or the fact that it's going to be hard, maybe Apple TV cannibalizes a lot of that stuff. They're just going to say, F this, I'm going to watch the game at home and I'm not going to write about it and I'll tweet occasionally, but not from like a news outlet. And then how many more people does that, how many more people does that get affected? If Burgundy Wave no longer exists and um, you know, there's changes happening at Last Word right now, not like it's going to get shut down or I'm getting fired or laid off or anything at Last Word and everything. Like if Burgundy Wave doesn't exist after one game in the season, Mark, how many other potential Rapids fans or at least Rapids curious people in Denver are not going to have an outlet that's potentially going to help convert them, uh, you know, over the course of the next 33 games to say to say nothing of the fact, Mark, that no, this, right. that first game is on national TV. That's on FS1, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is. I mean. So then they're gonna be. Let me. Let me finish. So then they're gonna watch the first game on FS1, and the Rapids home opener is gonna come up, and maybe they're gonna say, "Okay, I'll go to the game." Where's that third Rapids game coming on? Oh, it's on Apple TV. Wait, MLS is on Apple TV? Like it's not? Didn't the thing with Altitude get resolved or whatever? No, it's on Apple TV. And by the way, you have to pay a hundred bucks or fifteen dollars a month for it. And then someone who isn't a diehard is gonna say, "Well, that's more than I pay for ESPN Plus. I'm just gonna watch Barcelona." Right. Right. Right, so the thing that you said at the end, just to simplify it and say it quickly, and then I have one last point, and then I think I'm all out of of, of animus. I'm all out of vituperative anger and, and frustration. Um, and then I want to say one last positive thing about, like, the future is not as bleak as we make it. Um, but, um, you know, SB Nation sites have been doing the work for Major League Soccer, have been net benefit for Major League Soccer. They promote Major League Soccer for free. And and that was, you know, some I think some communications teams for some teams understand that and others didn't. And I don't know that the league fully ever appreciated it to the degree that they should have. That that this was a this was free promotion. And it was a, a degree of promotion and legitimacy that the in-house communications team could never duplicate, right? Me and Matt writing about how much the Colorado Rapids look great coming up this year or how excited we are about the season or how great the weather was or what a great atmosphere DSGP was last week is a thousand times more valid than a guy who works for the Rapids writing that says, because they don't pay us. The Colorado Rapids do not pay Matarai. You know, um, you know, I get paid in oatmeal cookies in the in the press box, and that's it, right? Like I can't even eat most of the food in the press box because, like, for somehow the Rapids have always put way too much meat in the in the pregame meal. Anyways, um, so like it, this is a this is a blow for Major League Soccer and for every ma- every Major League Soccer team, and there's no way for the teams or the league to solve that problem because they can't create independent media. That's a, by definition a problem they have. But I want to bring up a different point 
Um, and it's a complicated point, and there's no resolution to it or understanding it. It's really basically I'm lamenting American capitalism in the 21st century, which is the owners of all the major league soccer teams are billionaires, right? The um, top DP players are all earning several million dollars a year. The expansion fees for the teams are 300 million plus at this point. Apple made a deal for MLS um, for the next, I think, 10 years at $2.5 billion. And yet, Matt, you know, and all these other SB Nation editors were making like somewhere just barely north of $300 a month to run a side a side hustle on Major League Soccer. And even Vox SB Nation couldn't keep that going. So there's something out of whack here, right? There's billions of dollars at the top, and there's not even hundreds of dollars at the bottom. And I get that they're different people, but like there are 28 owners who are billionaires who value owning a team. So that David Tepper or Stan Kroenke or um, the descendants of Lamar Hunt can walk into a stadium and walk into a box and open a bottle of champagne and say, the team belongs to me, right? The Will Ferrells of the world can prance in front of a television camera and brag about the fact that they own a team and that they can walk into the 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 um, the um, the changing room, the the dressing room, the locker room. That's what they call it in America, and and shake all the players' hands, right? And nobody will fucking open their wallet to spend $5 million on a conglomeration of MLS blogs, right? It would talk, it would, 5 million would be a king's ransom for the collected uh, knowledge of the SB Nation website. Well, take it and for it 20 even, bucks and call them Warder's sweaty gym shorts, Mark. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, it does not cost that much. Like, how is journalism so undervalued? And so how are. You know, how's the 29th guy on the Rapids roster so overvalued by comparison? Um, how is it possible that these teams appreciate in value like they're fucking Van Gogh's, whereas the written word and my 470 articles on the Colorado Rapids isn't worth a plug nickel? Like, how is that possible? We've got a weird capitalist system where things are out of whack. Now, I get that, like, maybe you can't monetize Rabbi Goodman's 2016 articles from Backpass um, in the month of April about whether Drew Moore's hangnail is going to keep him out of the next game. I get it. But on the flip side, like, like the, the Rapids don't actually turn a profit from year to year. Why should that be any different than Vox SB Nation not turning a profit from year to year? I don't understand capitalism is what I'm saying. And I have a master's degree and I did take economics in college, right? I'm, I'm a smart guy. I don't fucking understand this, but, you know, reasons. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. That's all I got. Journalism has had to pivot in the internet monetization world, Mark, and increasingly we're seeing it's the major outlets that get enough just volume traffic in order to still be able to do ad revenue and then maybe have a menial, um, you know, subscription thing that maybe gets you some perks or a tote bag, you know, at NPR or New York Times or whatever, or get you some stuff behind the paywall. But increasingly, as we've seen, if you're not at one of those 
major outlets and everything, you're making no money, you're using it as a stepping stone, or, you know, you're having to, it, you know, it's having to be to the point where it's subsidized and everything. You know, I'd, I'd be curious to know, you know, in the last 10, 15 years or everything with the Denver Post model and everything as they've, you know, increasingly gone towards their web traffic and everything, how much of it is the subscriptions for just the online access as opposed to the actual newspaper itself and everything, you know, and so, you know, how many writers have we seen, sports related or otherwise, that realize they have enough of a brand, enough of a draw, enough hardcore followers to the point where they can say, you know, I don't need, um, you know, to be at an ESPN or at a New York Times or at um, – you know, or at the Washington Post or whatever, and I can start my own independent Substack or whatever version of that, and then there'll be an, and then there's enough people that'll give me five to ten bucks on Patreon or what have you to the point where we can continue and everything. You know, we've seen the ad revenue model stuff for Total Soccer Show has changed completely, and they started a Patreon just this year. Um, you know, and they're they're to the point where that's sustaining, and okay, that's understandable. They're also what the fifth best American soccer podcast, and they're universal and they're international now with. Um, um, uh, with Graham and then uh, not Tyler Bailey. Who am I thinking? Um, who's the Ryan Bailey? Right. The the Charlotte yeah, Ryan, Ryan Bailey. Bailey. Thank you. You know, and everything. And so they have that pull and everything. And look, good for Total Soccer Show. Good for um, you know, uh, good for what they've been able to do. Good for what they were able to accomplish after Daryl's death, which could have severely affected the show in a negative way. But like, they're probably just doing okay. And a bunch of them have a bunch of other sub, you know, uh, side hustles. You know where. Um, you know, they're writing for other sites or doing some freelancing stuff or, you know, doing some other things. And probably their their wives and their girlfriends probably also are bringing in money as well. So even that like they're grinding, Taylor Rockwell is probably doing this like 80 hours a week and everything. And he's doing probably just OK, Mark, living in Richmond, fucking Virginia. How? But he loves it. Yes. He loves it. But he, he does it because he loves yes, it. Yes, he loves it. But the, the point is, Mark, like, how is how is somebody supposed to be? How is how, how is a writer at D.C. United not named Pablo Maurer who's getting paid by The Athletic? and good for him supposed to live anywhere close to dc to the point where they can commute into the stadium or the training ground whatever daily and then actually be able to cover this or cover this during the day when everything's in the middle of the day and in theory that's affecting or hampering what you're trying to do from a day job and standpoint so i don't know how the industry sustains or keeps it up at this point mark which you know kind of brings it back to kind of the one main point of you know there's a reason uh, the LA Galaxy saw fit to hire somebody named Adam Serrano and make him the LA Galaxy insider because they needed to have somebody that was actually covering things on a on a semi-regular basis. You know, MLSsoccer.com in part was brought into existence, Mark, because they saw the major outlets other than maybe occasionally ESPN and Soccer America weren't covering the sport. It is worthwhile for us to invest money in this thing so that it can ultimately pay it back in terms of marketing and growing our audience and everything. And, um, you know, we semi-dog DTR earlier, you know, but like on some level, Mark, Andrew Wiebe is held accountable by somebody in marketing at some point. At some point, you go high enough in everything. They can't talk about, you know. And they, by the way, they know that to their to their to their credit, they know that, and they they appreciate. I've talked to the guys on and offline. They appreciate the independent media for saying the things they can't say. I appreciate them while knowing that they're like they're working within restrictions. They can't say certain things. Yes. And okay, that's perfectly understandable. But the point is, Mark, like there was a point where extra time had to be its own thing. And then they thought, okay, it was good enough to the point where um, 
you know, to the point where like we need local coverage. And then so then there was independual con, you know, contract stuff where um, Abby Mood did a little bit of that. I think Brian Jennings was published a few times on MLSsoccer.com. There was a point where that was Omar Cummings' main outlet in terms of uh, num- in terms of number of articles that he was writing for them as opposed to another site and everything. And then they realized, Mark, that wasn't profitable because doing it for an individual team that's not bringing in that traffic doesn't necessarily make sense. And the Athletic did the exact same thing where let's pivot to the point where we have a core of five or six or ten guys that are covering everything generally and from a national perspective that will drive traffic on a national level. But ultimately, that means that, you know, the Rapids get thrown to the wayside except for when they're breaking news or anything. You know, in terms of like articles that weren't your bare bones 200 word recaps, which, by the way, Mark, you or I could do. But credit to Charlie Bohm, who could do like eight of those in a weekend and not, you know, and not have his brain be completely mushed by Monday morning and everything but you know it was to the point where mark in 2019 you know it was anthony hudson getting hired and the kellen costa trade and then one rumor for a striker that ultimately never came through and then oh the rapids were bad they brought in a bunch of international players oh what was the rapids this is who they are you know you know, if MLSsoccer.com did things purely based on traffic, there'd be one Rapids article for every 15 Sounders, 15 Atlanta United, 15 LA Galaxy DP rumors and everything, and there wouldn't be any actual coverage. And then when it does so happen that um, that they do cover things, it's usually because somebody on the ground like you or me or the other people that we mentioned on this, you know, asked a question like we would any one of those interviews or anything, randomly got something interesting, and that sparked a conversation. Somewhere, Mark, earlier this week, there was media availability with the LA Galaxy, and one of the people similar to you or me asked a question about Ricky Pooge, and he said something that was maybe taken in context or out of context or acknowledged that things weren't all hunky-dory at the LA Galaxy, and then national media outlets are covering it, and they talk about it on Extra Time, and they're like, oh, is Ricky Pooge want to go back to La Liga? Is he bored in Los Angeles? Is it because he's upset that there's not a whole lot of public transit like he had in the various places so that he lived in Spain and he had in Barcelona and everything? Does he think that it's actually too easy? Is he expecting to play really, really well and then make a big money move back just like this was, was this all the plan entirely? Did they have a conversation with this? What does this mean with Chris Klein and everything? I just spun out a bunch of stuff, Mark, that if soccer was taken seriously by first take or by undisputed or anything, they could spend a whole hour conversation to that, just like how they break down a one-sentence post-game media availability quote uh, out of nothing from LeBron James that they spin out completely. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a writer, sit, there has to be a dozen people regularly covering the, L- the, the LA Galaxy, regularly coming the Los Angeles Lakers there and asking the questions. And it makes sense because at ESPN and KTLA and The Athletic and other stuff, it makes sense to have that network, that ecosystem of a bunch of people locally covering those things. And what does it mean for the injury? And then here's the contact to provide all of that information that randomly one key thing that's nationally relevant gets picked out or gets put in, you know, or that, you know, is able to get amplified from, you know, that from a national standpoint, it makes sense for this is, you know, the show that covers all of MLS. And then here's something that everybody would want to know specifically about the Colorado Rapids. And it might be more difficult for me to do that, which kind of comes into my last point, Mark. Um, Remember on the last episode where we talked about what Apple TV wanted from the individual teams and everything and about how they wanted the press conferences and those as opposed to just being videos on the team's website that nobody actually goes back and watches? And sometimes the best clip of the most club-friendly uh, 
response from a player or a coach gets posted out on social media and everything, now those entire interviews are going to be available on Apple TV. And Mark, what does it look like in terms of that ecosystem of who's there and who's asking the questions and the good questions and everything? Because the other thing as well, you know, maybe for one of those national outlets or somebody that doesn't have a rapport with a head coach or a player and everything, that dynamic's a little bit different from how it is, Mark. Every single player in that Rapids locker room knows who I am. Um, and they respect me. They see how I conduct myself and everything. They know the types of questions that I ask, and they've known because they've done it. They've said something that's vulnerable or that might maybe out of context could be run with and taken and you know spun into the media circle like TMZ, and they know that they can say that to me because I'm not going to do that just for clips. I'm going to respect that space and everything and the interaction that we have and cover the team objectively, well, and critically, but also constructively as well. And that's taken away because they're not having conversations with Marcelo Baboa. They're not having conversations – well, okay, maybe they'll be having conversations with cello but it's going to be four or five times a year rather than every single game richard fleming's not going to be there tbd on what the apple tv thing is changing for what connor cape and altitude radio is actually doing in terms of their in-person and access coverage of the team as well and so now potentially there's you know one less person in a room where for most mls teams that aren't the la's the new york's miami atlanta seattle Toronto, for most of those, there's less than five people that are regularly at that. There's one less regular that's in there that's going to be asking that critical question, focusing on every single little thing, every single injury, something as if it's the Pentagon Papers with a level of depth, narrow depth that the local fan bases absolutely care about, but that ultimately then will provide the menu of stuff that nationally league will be able to cover. This is hurting Apple TV and all $250 million that they're paying out to MLS teams as well. This is going to hurt MLSsoccer.com. It's going to hurt ESPN as well. I don't know what that means for the whole national organization, but the fact is those outlets are probably going to be okay because they're big enough to sustain it, but it's going to hurt whether or not we're talking about the Rapids because potentially it's going to hurt the ability for that to get amplified as well because the chance, you know, Mark, again, how many of Jason of of Joseph Samuelson's or uh, or views from the couch articles has Matt Doyle or Andrew Wiebe or Jeff Carlisle or Grant Wall read in the last decade versus again how many times somebody like you or me or Jake Shapiro or somebody at DNVR or whatever has one of those major news outlets that's in this ecosystem that understands it you know um, Felipe Cardenas is doing a thing about um, you know the upcoming uh, Rapids game against Atlanta United. What's Matt Pollard think about this? What did he tweet? What did he write at Burgundy Wave? Let me DM him a question if I have that now and everything. Now, that space of the local stuff doesn't necessarily exist anymore. And I have to imagine if there weren't dozens of people at every single Broncos practice and game and everything, analyzing what's going on with Russell Wilson and the injuries on the offensive line and everything, that that hurts the overall national coverage and then thus ultimately hurts the Broncos, hurts ownership, hurts the health of the sport of football as well as it relates to the Denver Broncos. And I can't see how the news from this morning doesn't significantly and broadly negatively affect the Major League Soccer and American soccer space. Right. The only, I'll end on a positive note, which is... For some of us, the you know, like including me, we're not going away as writers. Um, the problem is mostly that the reader doesn't have a reliable or easy location to go to, like they have with Burgundy Wave. You could wake up on a Sunday morning and say to yourself, "I'm interested in the post game wrap up of." What happened with the Rapids last night? I will go to Burgundy Wave and see what they wrote, or. Um, you know, I watched the game and I need some 
some stats and some details. Let me go to Burgundy Wave, right? Like now you wake up on a Sunday morning or you want the Tuesday backpass commentary on what the Rapids did the previous game and you don't know where to go. Um, but there will be writers. The writers are not going away. Um, Matt Pollard's not going away. Mark Goodman's not going away. Joe Samuelson's not going away. Um, Jason from the couch is not going away. There are uh, podcasts that are continuing to do this work. There are actually more Rapids podcasts today than there were three and five and ten years ago. And and so there are – you will be able to read about this team. It's just that in the old days, you know, I could link to and, and get an interview with um, Dynamo Theory and um, uh, you know um, – boy, I'm uh, – uh, um, the musket, uh, bent musket, bent musket, and uh, um, black and red, and uh, dirty south, and sounder at heart, and on and on and on and on. And we had connections, and we had linkage, and uh, we were coordinated, and we worked together to some degree. Um, and 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 more importantly, you knew as a Rapids fan where to go to read about Portland. You knew as a Rapids fan where to go to read about Seattle and LA and so on. That's going away, but the writers are not going away and there will continue to be coverage of major league soccer from an independent perspective. There may be less of it. It may be less paid. It may be fewer and farther between. Um, but this is not the end of independent soccer coverage from citizen soccer journalists like Matt and I. It's just we're in a little bit of a confusing pattern and we're not sure where things are going to land. You know, in my dream, Matt, um, someone with a little bit of money, like $5 million, figures out how to reboot this in a way that's profitable and smaller scale. Um, you know, it doesn't take much, but it would be a really good thing for American soccer. There are outlets out there that already exist that if they had a little bit more of investment, they could do it. Um, the Athletic used to have part-time writers uh, doing work. They don't anymore. Maybe that's time for them to think of it. Um, maybe it's time for um, Soccer by Ives, SBI, to you know reinvest in a much larger platform and, and much more writers on a smaller scale. Um, maybe this is an opportunity for Apple to create a writing platform. They already have Apple News. Why not create AppleMLSsoccer.com? You know, there are, there are ways of doing this. I can't help but believe that it couldn't be profitable in the future. Um, and last thing, like I said, the writers are not going away. We're here. Support the people and the media outlets and the type of content that you are interested in. Follow them on their social media. Interact with them like stuff, retweet stuff, because that helps the algorithm and send it to people that you might think are remotely interested. If you have a possible future, you know, Rapids, I almost said Rapids queer, and that would have not been the, the right thing to say, Mark. <laughs> a Rapids curious person in your life, maybe don't send them this episode, because obviously that's going to give you a negative, con that's going to give you the wrong connotation for what HDHL is historically, but send us, a, send them their, the most recent episode that we had. Um, you know, where we talked about the roster build and the preseason schedule and everything. Send them that. Send them the next article, the next episode, next uh, article of 
Backpass. Send them one of the recent things that have been posted on Burgundy Wave and everything. Um, we have a Substack. You can subscribe to that Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Other outlets, other places will have Patreons. They will have Substacks. They will have donate buttons and everything. If you know, five, ten bucks can go a long way if you do it once or twice a couple years, or five bucks a month times. You know, however many people can make a massive distance difference towards running the costs and operating and everything, and then also maybe convincing it to. Com stuff. I I want to point out, Mark, you've fairly slagged like comms and that relationship between the independent media outlets and whether or not it actually matters and everything. And you've done that, and most of those interactions and criticisms you had were for past regimes from a sure. community. It's been years. It's been years since I had a hard time with the comm staff. Everything's been great since twenty. 17. Yes. So, you know, 2015, 2016, uh, the people who are in charge saw us in many ways as adversarial. Um, I had a conversation with someone, Mark, that might lead to um, that, that might lead to actual content on Burgundy Wave about the about some disharmony between these supporters group and the actual club where on some level, like they want, you know, they'll enable and want outlets, you know, that are going to do not necessarily cheerleading, but are going to, are going to benefit them from a marketing standpoint. The current staff over at the Colorado Rapids from a communication standpoint, Mark, Omar Gonzalez, Emilio Gonzalez, no relation should point out. Um, and then uh, Mackenzie Frey, who primarily works with Colorado Rapids, too. They see the value in me. They see the value in people like us and in us having access as well. Um, it was not always that way. It's not that way in a lot of clubs as well. And understandably, Mark, there's uh, – I don't know if this is a single entity issue within Major League Soccer, but I think there's certainly – there's a lot of clubs that want to be able to control the narrative and limit access. I hear about this all the time in WOSO, particularly in the N- in NWSL as far as – media access as well where they want to control the narrative and then so who they give um who they make available for interviews and what topics and what things are discussed and everything can be contingent on whether or not it's positive or negative and you know we saw we've seen examples mark where the way that the club has done something or the timing of it is such that ultimately they can control the narrative or fans are forced or limited in terms of outlets that they can go to, namely going to the actual club website. And then thus the club is able to write its own press releases and have its own control, whether or not that's a single entity issue or just one in major league soccer or everything. I'm not entirely sure. And again, this goes back to the issue of MLS even saw at one point that you know, there wasn't enough coverage. They made their own their own website in MLSsoccer.com and at times probably has, you know, meddled or put their thumb on the scale in order to tip it to the point where it's ultimately pro stuff. And these clubs are valued by, you know, the independent storytelling, the in-depth storytelling, the institutional knowledge that you get from people that are there every day doing it without an agenda or at least one that is ultimately not influenced by, um, you know, by outside sources and everything. And so on some level, the access and the intensity and the quality of the freedom of the press that comes with that, that helps this ecosystem and helps MLS exist and everything and enables fans to understand stuff and ask questions and ultimately hold their clubs accountable and then also hear the storytelling that is so important to the narrative around sports and how it relates to the human experience and everything that is curtailed in some capacity today and could be significantly curtailed starting March 1st of 2023. 
Matt, this was a great pod. Well done. I'm sorry you lost uh, a gig today. Uh, I hope that the next landing spot is soft and happy and good. I'm sad that I've got to transport every piece of writing I've ever done for four years over to another platform. Otherwise, it'll likely be invisible to the universe. But we will move on. We will persist. And uh, just like the Colorado Rapids are going to enter this next season with hope and optimism, I too will enter this coming year with hope and op- optimism for American soccer writing. I don't know how, but it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to. I'm trying to figure out, folks, what the best way other than reading content and then driving extra ad revenue and traffic to the site you could do to potentially help secure the future of Burgundy Wave. That will be updated to you on social media for Burgundy Wave at my own personal Twitter account at OWS Matt Pollard and at BurgundyWave.com as well. I am not giving up this ship on the long list of things I do not want on my resume, Mark. It is being the Emmy that ultimately was there for the downfall of this website, and I'm going to fight tooth and nail to make sure it still exists in some capacity, and if that doesn't happen, um, we're going to make holding the Highline substack way better than it ever possibly could have been. Um, until then, Rapids fans, be well, and we'll talk to you next time, and we'll be more sober and actually talking about things that are Rapids-related, and that could be next week, that could be the week after. Stay safe, have a good weekend, um, support local journalism. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with a nice way to, to throw out this, to end this episode, Mark, so we're just going <laughs> to end it now awkwardly and everything. We're going to end it awkwardly. Peace. Peace.